Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Resurrection of a Health Coach, an interview with Stephanie Schmidt. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Stephanie Schmidt. Stephanie Smith is a 38-year-old resident of Atlanta, Georgia. She is a pastor's wife and the mother of four children. In 2016, Stephanie caught pneumonia, which developed into consistent radiating chest pain. She also had a bullseye rash on her leg. Her symptoms began to interfere with her everyday life and her ability to be present as a mother and a wife. At one point, she was so weak, she had to crawl up the stairs to her bedroom. Stephanie saw 17 different doctors and had multiple misdiagnoses before she finally saw an integrative doctor from Atlanta who determined that she had Lyme disease. She now works with a team of doctors treating primarily with antibiotics and the Buner protocol. Throughout her Lyme disease journey, Stephanie felt extremely isolated. She had to seek counseling to help her process everything that Lyme had taken away from her. In the end, she did gain something, the drive to return to school to become a certified health and wellness coach to help others facing chronic illness. Hi, Stephanie Smith, and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here today. Stephanie, can you share with our listeners uh, a little about your background? Yeah, um, I'm originally from California. Uh, I lived there up until I was about 22 and um, met the man of my dreams and got married and moved to the South. We, we lived in Greenville, South Carolina for quite a while. Uh, for about four and a half years while my husband was in school. He was in seminary there training to be a pastor. And then we moved from there to Atlanta, Georgia, where we still are. And he was at a church previously. And um, now we're in um, a different suburb of Atlanta. I have four beautiful children. My oldest is 11 and my youngest is four. And they're all about two, two and a half years apart. So um, we have a, a dog and, yeah, I live in a, a beautiful part of the city, so I have a lot to be thankful for. Stephanie, one of the things that our folks have come to understand is that folks who have gone through a tick disease journey had one life before they were bitten by the tick and began to show the symptoms of their tick disease and a different life afterwards. So I'd like to focus on what your life was like before you got sick. Yeah, so I went to school um, out in California at Simpson uh, University for psychology. At that time, I was thinking about going into counseling. Um, right before I met my husband, I was actually thinking about going into the medical field. I was kind of switching, switching that up a little bit. Um, then we moved, and I continued my schooling for a while. But then I became very ill when we lived in Greenville, we couldn't quite figure out what was going on. We, we realized at the time that it was due to some really serious mold exposure. So I spent a good three years very ill at that time, and I really couldn't do anything. Eventually, my health kind of strengthened, and um, I got my energy back, and then we moved to Atlanta. And uh, we've just been very active since my husband started ministry um, I've always been very involved in his ministry, you know, hosting things, being involved in Bible study, entertaining, you know, just having people into our homes um, and just really being a part of people's lives. That, that's huge. It really is a family commitment when your husband is in the ministry and it's important. So, um, yeah, it was, it was very fun. I was always on the go with that. I have four kids, so, you know, I'm always busy doing 
play dates and activities and um, all that entails. And of course, lots and lots of laundry <laughs> that piles up. Just, you know, all the things. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I love that. I love being a stay-at-home mom and just tending to the house and everything. But yeah, just very, very busy overall and always on the go. When did you begin to show the signs of your tick disease? When did your illness begin to present? Um, I was about 35 when things started to go downhill. Now, there were times before this that my health wasn't the greatest. You know, I mentioned the mold exposure when we were living in Greenville that really knocked down my health. Um, now, looking back, I do wonder if, if you know, the Lyme was kind of rearing its ugly head back then. It's hard for me to know really what was going on. But when I really started getting terrible was, about the age of 35. Yeah, that was about three years ago. Stephanie, do you recall ever having been bitten by a tick? No, I don't. You know, I grew up in California and there's ticks everywhere. I know that people always say there's Lyme endemic areas, but honestly, I don't think that's a thing anymore. I think they're everywhere. And there's a lot in Northern California. I mean, I used to pick ticks off my dog, which is so disgusting to me now thinking about it but you know I would see ticks on my dog all the time so no to answer your question I never saw a tick um, I did have a very suspicious rash that developed you know several years ago on my leg uh, we love to go hiking and um, I think we went hiking a couple days beforehand here in Atlanta and I woke up one morning and I looked down and I just had the most massive rash on my leg and it was very distinct and it looked like a the typical bullseye rash which a lot of people don't even get um, but I just remember thinking that is the weirdest rash I have ever seen and I showed it to my husband and he said wow that does not look good and it had that distinct circle around it and I remember him saying to me if that radiates outward anymore go in and get checked out. And, you know, I'm somebody that hates going to the doctor and I will avoid that at all costs. And so I didn't go in and I, I didn't know what it was. I just figured, oh, I probably got, you know, bit by something and it'll go away in a couple of days and I'll be completely fine. So that's really the only thing that, you know, when I look back, I think, oh, that was probably a tick bite. How long was the rash before you began to exhibit the symptoms of your tick disease? That rash was there for about a year, or I had it about a year and a half beforehand. But I, I don't remember getting ill. Um, you know, this was so long ago when this happened, so it's hard for me to think back. But I've racked my brain around this to think, you know, did I have a fever? Was I really ill? And to be honest, I don't remember. I don't think I, I was because I think I would have remembered. And I think I also would have gone in to see the doctor if I had spiked a terrible fever. I just remember that rash and then it went away after about four to five days. Stephanie, I'd like to walk back for a minute and just focus on what your tick knowledge was during the course of the time that you were living in California. You said that you were living in a place where it was tick endemic and you had removed ticks from your dog. What other knowledge did you have about ticks? And did you do tick checks? Did you take any steps to protect yourself from ticks biting you? What did you know and what did you do back then? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, to be honest, I didn't really know much at all. You know, what you read online is just check yourself for ticks or if you see a tick, 
you know, remove it. And that, you know, is really was my extent of knowledge. I do remember growing up, my father seemed kind of off for a while, just kind of down and distracted. And I, you know, I was very young at the time. I was probably 10, 11 years old, but I did pick up on it. And I asked him what was going on. And he said, well, I just um, came back from the doctor's office and they had to test me for Lyme disease. And I said, well, what's Lyme disease? And he described it a little bit. He didn't go in depth about it, but I could just see it all over his face, just the despair and, and you know, the, the worry in his face. And so I just remember walking away from that conversation thinking, wow, I don't know what Lyme disease is, but it must be really, really bad, you know, to see my father that distraught over it. So that was kind of my first, you know, realization that this is a serious disease, you know, and um, it's, it's serious enough to make him so worried about it. Was your dad ultimately diagnosed with Lyme disease? He was not. Everything came back negative and he was fine. Um, you know, he was a civil engineer. He was often out in the field checking the water supply. And so, and I remember he would always wear pants, you know, even during the summer. Now that I think about it, you know, it's, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot in California, but he was always, you know, wearing pants and, and socks, you know, to protect himself. So uh, I think, you know, he just was not feeling well for a while. And they thought, okay, well, you're in the fields a lot. Let's test you for Lyme. And thankfully, uh, it came back negative. So despite your dad having this potential challenge with Lyme disease and your awareness of being in a tick endemic community and removing ticks from your dog, you really never knew much about how to protect yourself from tick diseases, nor what steps you would take to prevent yourself from coming in contact with ticks. No, I mean, to be honest, there's just not a lot of information out there. You know, you just, you don't hear about it. Um, as a kid, you're just carefree, you know, you, and you just think things won't happen to you. Um, and I really don't think there's enough education about how to prevent tick bites. And even, you know, if you do get bitten, what to do after you get bitten and where to go, you know, that, that's half of it. Cause Ticks are everywhere. So yeah, no, I really didn't. I was very ignorant of everything. So Stephanie, I'd like to now fast forward to when you begin to show the signs of your tick disease when you were approximately 35 years old. How did your symptoms begin to develop after they started? Yeah, so back in December of 2016, we brought a Christmas tree into our home and I just became very, I have a lot of really bad allergies, and I just had a really bad reaction to that Christmas tree. I always remember that. <laughs> and um, I think it, you know, really kind of started to stir the pot. I also think the mold, I'm, I'm incredibly mold sensitive, really was a, a whole other issue that kind of was weakening my immune system. So I chucked that tree outside, <laughs> and it's in a couple of days, I started to feel a little better, but I did develop pneumonia right around that time. And then I, I had uh, a fever for about two and a half weeks. Uh, worst fever I've ever had. It just was relentless. It wouldn't go away. And then eventually that did go away, but I developed this cough that just would not go away. And I couldn't figure out why I was taking all these supplements and everything. 
And then about a month later, again, I'm still having this cough. I, I started to develop these radiating pains from my sternum. And they were so incredibly painful. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. And it was very scary for me. So um, I started to kind of tweak my diet. When I lived in, um, when I had mold exposure years before when we lived in Greenville, I remember I tweaked my diet and that seemed to help. So I started tweaking my diet again and that seemed to kind of calm everything down. In the meantime, I went to a pulmonologist, you know, had a full workup there, but to be honest, he really had no clue. And he referred me out. He said, I think a naturopath would really help you. And, you know, at the time, I just kind of rolled my eyes. And I just thought, no, I need to find somebody that knows what's going on. You know, the pain just kept coming and spreading across my chest. And eventually, it radiated out and, and started affecting my heart, uh, which was really, really frightening. And the pain was just excruciating. So I landed in the ER, and, and um, they thought I was having a heart attack. And I had a full workup. Um, I remember the doctor gave me some pain medication and I was just in excruciating pain and she came in about, you know, 30 minutes later and said, oh, you must be feeling amazing. And I was so upset because I was, I felt exactly the same. I mean, my pain level was the same as it was 30 minutes before. And I thought, what is this inside of me? that even, you know, high dose pain medication can't touch. That's really frightening. So anyway, she um, sent me on my merry way and told me just to, you know, follow up with uh, a cardiologist. Um, I didn't because I just didn't think it was related to that. So I kind of spent the rest of 2017 working with a health coach because I knew there was a diet connection there. If I, if I, you know, went no sugar and low carbs and really cleaned up my diet, it didn't take everything away, but it definitely, you know, it helped. I felt a little bit better, but eventually I just got tired of the diet. You know, eating that way all the time is exhausting. But when I, when I went off of it, that's when, yeah, things got really bad really quickly. And I began seeing multiple doctors, I think 17 total and in, including a trip to the Mayo Clinic and I just I made my rounds around town and my days were just filled with many doctor's appointments and many tests and there were days where my arms would just be black and blue because I was getting my, my blood drawn you know constantly. So Stephanie how long was the journey between your worst symptoms and ultimately your your tick disease diagnosis? I would say it was about a year and a, a little over a year and a half. I'd like to explore a couple of things with you in that window. I'd like to focus on two things. First, how were you unable to parent during that window of time? <laughs> you know, that's one thing I look back and I honestly, I wonder myself, I really do because uh, my kids are a little bit older now, but you know, back then they were so young and really needed a lot of help. And I honestly, it was, it's by the grace of God. I don't know how I did it other than by the grace of God. My husband, my poor husband, <laughs> had to step in a lot. And there were some days where he'd stay home 
and he would take care of the kids. There were many days that my older two had to step in and had to make, you know, lunches or start some laundry or do some house cleaning, things that I would always do, but I just was no longer able to. I mean, it was hard for me to get out of bed and take a shower when I was at my worst. Taking a shower was kind of, you know, taking all of my energy. I think just the heat from the shower too would exhaust me. So I would get out and I would just collapse in bed and I would lay there for about an hour, you know, just enough so I could regain my strength before going on and doing something else. And I would crawl up the stairs because I didn't have enough strength to walk up the stairs. And so we just, we kind of just made do. We don't have any family nearby. So, you know, I did have some people step in, some sweet friends that would bring me meals occasionally or um, go grocery shopping or pick up my kids from time to time. But a lot of the time I just had to push through it and it was just so hard and just putting mind over matter really because I love my children and, you know, and they needed me. So, but yeah, it was definitely the grace of God that carried me through that period. So Stephanie, how did you feel emotionally about your inability to parent your children the way you wanted to? Oh, it, it was hard. It's still hard because I'm still dealing with it. You know, I, I feel like I can't fully be there. I mean, there were there were times where I just didn't feel emotionally present because I kind of got to a point where I shut down emotionally. You know, when you're dealing with so much pain physically, emotionally you start to shut down. And I think your body does that to just kind of preserve itself because there's just so much and you can only take so much. And so emotionally, I just don't feel like I was very available to them for a while. You know, them wanting me to read them books. It was little things like that. It was so hard. I just wanted to curl up in a ball all day long and just cry. But at the same time, you know, I wanted to be a parent to them. I wanted to love them. And I wanted their life to be as normal as possible. So I would try to, you know, just, just fake it a lot. And um, behind closed doors, I would cry a lot. But when I was with them, I tried to appear as normal as I could. So, but yeah, that's, that's hard. And that is something that I think I still struggle with too. I, I can't go to their school events, you know, everything that they do, my husband has to go to. And, you know, currently, hopefully that will change in the future as I heal. But, but that is, that's really hard. You want to be there for them. Do you believe the emotional challenges that your inability to parent the way you want to is having an impact on the speed in which you're healing? I think it was, you know, for a while there, I think I was really struggling with some very serious depression. Um, and I think when you're in that spot, you don't realize it, right? It's oftentimes um, not until you come out of it that you realize just how bad you were. But yeah, I definitely think for a while there, my depression was hindering me. You know, we are, we are so connected, our mind and our bodies and our spirit. And being that depressed for that long, it really affects you physically. So I'm thankful that I'm no longer in that place. I'm in a much better place now. But yeah, I mean, depression takes a toll on you physically. And when you're already compromised physically, it definitely does not help. 
One of the things that we've seen from our past podcast guests is that isolation, social isolation is a part of a tick disease journey. Were you unable to continue to have the social relationships that you had before your symptoms developed as you had before the symptoms? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's still ongoing, to be honest. Like I mentioned before, my husband's a pastor. And so we're very involved in the community and having people into our house and, and, you know, hosting events. And so, you know, my social life was wonderful and it was great. And I go out with friends all the time. I have become very isolated, not by choice. I, I don't like how isolated I am, but my body seems to be incredibly sensitive to my environment. And sometimes it's just so frustrating. I can be in a store. In fact, this happened last week. I was checking out and, and it's difficult for me to find a store that I can actually, you know, walk into and not have a reaction to. But this particular one was one that was safe for me. And a gentleman in front of me, you know, had just had a cigarette. I could smell it on him and it just triggered pain all over my body. You know, other times it's, I can smell the laundry detergent or the softener on people's clothes or perfumes tend to really set me off. My biggest thing that I'm sensitive to is mold by far. If, if I walk into a moldy building, that'll just take me down hard and cause me excruciating pain. So I live here in the South and it's a very humid environment. And so a majority of the buildings and homes do have some amount of mold. So we've had to really, I've had to really kind of, you know, just be extra cautious wherever I go. And then even in our own home, we had to remediate. We didn't have a major mold issue. Um, it was just a few things here and there, um, mainly the humidity level in our home. But I'm that mold sensitive that we have to keep the air very dry and keep those mold spore counts low. So, yeah, I mean, to put it in a nutshell, it's, it's very, very um, isolating. And it can be lonely at times, too. Stephanie, how has your Lyme disease journey impacted your husband and your relationship with your husband? We've seen, unfortunately, from past podcast guests, many relationships come apart because of the challenges with Lyme disease. There, there were challenges that, that are created with intimacy. There are problems that are created with just being available socially. How has this impacted your husband and your relationship with your husband? Yeah, that's a great question because this really does impact every single area of your life. Yeah, it's definitely made an impact on my marriage and I have a really good marriage. It's always been very strong. I've been married to my amazing husband now for 16 years and yeah, we, we, we you know, have the little marital spats here and there, but overall it's been great. But this has been extremely extremely challenging, you know, because of my illness, he's had to take on, you know, my role essentially, um, and really pick up things that I was used to doing on top of his role of being a pastor, which, you know, is very demanding and all consuming. So uh, it's, it's been very stressful. I'm not able to attend church right now, which is very hard for me you know, hopefully, Lord willing, in the future, when I'm not so sensitive, I can, but he really, you know, is 
parenting, you know, all of our kids, all four, and also trying to be a pastor to our flock at the same time. So as you can imagine, (laughs) it's a bit chaotic and it's a bit difficult. You know, he's seen me walk through some really serious depression and I'm not somebody that is prone to being depressed. I'm generally very happy, always been that way. And so for him to see me this way and to really see me struggle physically and emotionally, it's hard. It's also been hard because, you know, you you need somebody to help you and to counsel you through this. But I can't expect him to wear all the hats, you know, to be the wife, to be the husband, to be the pastor, to be the counselor. There's only so much that an individual can do. And so we just realized that we need some outside help. We need for me to get some counseling. And I think that was really helpful because I think I was depending upon him too much. And that's just too much to expect from your spouse. Um, I think it really is beneficial to have somebody else that is removed from the situation to come in and to give some counsel and encouragement um, and wisdom and, and support. So that was really helpful for me once I kind of, you know, took that away from him. I mean, he still, he still helps me tremendously. He encourages me and pulls me out when I'm in a really bad spot and prays for me. But I think that was a really wise decision that we made for me to, you know, look for counsel outside of our marriage and um, just to work through a lot of the the trauma that I needed to process, you know, with my health and with the loss of losing so much and, and also some of the trauma of just the medical community and my disappointment in it and uh, my anger towards it. There was just a lot of emotions that were coming out. And so, yeah, that, that really helped. But yeah, it, it definitely um, has been difficult maritally. This really puts a strain on your finances. That's a whole another aspect. We've always been so good about saving money and putting money away. We're both savers, but this has really put a huge financial strain on us. Um, we've been treating now for several years and, you know, treating that long, it, it really drains your bank account and you get, you get to a scary place. And when you have four kids you need to provide for, yeah, it just creates a lot of stress in your marriage. Stephanie, when did you ultimately receive your Lyme disease diagnosis? It's been about a year and a half. So, yeah, I was, I was 37 years old. And where did you get the diagnosis from? My doctor, um, Dr. Winston Cardwell at Atlanta Integrative and Internal Medicine here in Atlanta. And how did you feel when you finally received the diagnosis after going through a 17-doctor journey? interesting. You would think that I would have been so relieved. Um, I was actually really just blown away and shocked and almost in disbelief. I, to be honest, it took me about nine months to fully accept my Lyme diagnosis. I just, it wasn't on my radar at all. And I'm somebody that, you know, Googles things all the time. You know, you have a cough and you Google it and (laughs) think you're dying. I I I remember Googling Lyme and everything that would come up was, you know, the one side of the face droops and you get a rash, see a tick bite, 
And I just thought, well, I don't remember those things and I don't have those things. So I don't have Lyme disease. And, you know, he had told me, I think he had been dropping hints. I mean, he was, you know, several months prior. And I was telling him what I thought it was. And he was telling me what he thought it was. He, in fact, put me on high dose vitamin C. I was getting IVs. And, uh, you know, a good month or two before he even diagnosed me, I think it's because he knew where this was going. And, you know, he had hinted to me what he thought it was, but I think he could tell that I was not very receptive to it. And then eventually he, you know, he called me and gave me the diagnosis and I was just really shocked. I had a, it took me a long time to process it and accept it. So Stephanie, what was the composition of the team of people that you were working with? You indicated earlier that you had a health coach. You indicated that you had gone through some therapy. And then, of course, we now have the doctor that's diagnosed you. How many people are on your team now? And which of these folks helped you to make your peace with your Lyme disease diagnosis and then ultimately help you with your treatment plan? So I'm still with Dr. Cardwell at Atlanta Integrative here. He helps me more on the mold aspect because I do have chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which is mold illness, and I'm extremely sensitive to mold. So he works with me to detoxify the mold, to bind to the mold and get it out of my body. And But then I also work with the Gemsec Specialty Clinic up in D.C., I started going to him earlier this year in July just because I didn't I didn't feel like I was progressing with my treatment and I just felt like I needed someone that really specialized in Lyme specifically. So I make the journey up there about twice a year to go see him. So yeah, those two, I do meet with my counselor once in a while, but I have been doing so much better in the last three or four months that I haven't had to, to meet with him. So that's, that's great. That's definitely a big improvement. So I'm thankful for that. Now you, you indicated that you were working with a health coach as well. Are you still working with a health coach? Um, no, I'm not. So that's kind of where I initially started. And, and he's, he's a chiropractor, but I would say he kind of functions also like a health coach, you know, works with clients with their diet. He does order some tests. So he's the one that I originally went to, um, you know, when, when things were getting bad and just thought maybe I, I need to go on a really strict diet. So I think we both realized at the end of my treatment, I think it was like a six to nine month treatment that I was on through him changing my diet and doing supplements. By the end of it, we both realized this is not working. I still was pre-diabetic and had hypothyroidism. In fact, my thyroid was doing a lot worse, which was very concerning. So that's when I think he knew and I definitely knew, okay, this is, this is something else. I need to really you know, start looking around to see who can help me. After you received your Lyme diagnosis, how did you begin to treat the Lyme diagnosis? Yeah, so I, I was doing the high-dose vitamin C IV. So I was doing that for quite a while. And then I switched over to ozone. IVs. Um, I also was, I started initially with herbs um, and supplements. Um, I felt like that helped me a little bit. And I felt like the IVs were helping me a little bit, but it wasn't significant. And it really wasn't until I went on antibiotics 
which really was not something I wanted to do, but um, nothing else was helping. And then I, I had a huge Herxheimer reaction, you know, all the die off from the bacteria just overwhelms your system. And uh, my doctor did mention to me, he said, you know, if, if you have Lyme disease, you know, this will only confirm it. You will feel worse before you feel better and you'll have a Herxheimer. And he explained what it was and said, you know, you're going to feel bad for several days, but then, and just, you know, be good about detoxing during that time. And then you'll kind of feel a little bit of relief after that. And that's exactly what happened. I took that pill and I felt horrible initially, a lot worse. And then a couple of days later, I felt like a lot of my symptoms were dissipating and going away. So we just continued the antibiotic route for about a full year. And he, through that, the course of that time, he would introduce different antibiotics and, and increase them. I think by the end of that, I was taking about seven, seven antibiotics a day throughout, spread out throughout the day. Now, when you were on your antibiotic therapy, were you taking antibiotics every day? Yeah, so I was taking them every single day. And then eventually I started taking the tinidazole, Tindamax, which is a cyst buster. And I would take three pills in the morning. I'm no longer doing that. I'm working with the Gemsec specialty clinic. They do things a little differently. And, and I read up on them before I went to them. And I really liked their approach to Lyme, which is to pulse the medication. So you do, you know, um, right now I'm doing five days on and then two to four days off, depending on the week. So it's, it's essentially like you're, you're throwing a bomb at the Lyme bacteria and then with the antibiotics and then you're retreating and you're, you're letting it come out of hiding because, you know, when you're constantly throwing bombs at the antibiotics or excuse me, at the Lyme with the antibiotics, they, they retreat and they go into their cyst form and, and they have that biofilm over them. But the moment that you retreat and you stop the antibiotics, they're going to come out of hiding and wreak havoc and so what you do is you you do this back and forth pulsing and i have to say i've been on this protocol for about a month now and it is definitely stirring the pot <laughs> some days i feel horrible other days i feel great and uh, it's, it's very different and i definitely feel like it's doing something um, when i first went there they said to me they think the antibiotics were just babysitting um, and kind of were a band-aid for the Lyme. You know, it was just keeping it in check, but it wasn't really killing it. And I, I tend to agree with them, especially now starting to pulse the antibiotics. I definitely notice it's really stirring the pot. So, but you kind of have to do that, you know, sometimes you have to get worse before you get better. What type of tools are you using to detox during the course of the time you're on your antibiotics? Yeah, well, I detox on and off my antibiotics. Um, it's just something that I've kind of weaved into my life. Um, I almost feel like having Lyme disease is a part-time job, really, you know, because, and, and sometimes when you're really bad, a full-time job um, between the supplements and the detoxing and, and everything that goes into it. So every day I do something, whether it's an Epsom salt bath, um, a coffee enema, drinking lots and lots of water. I bind. Um, I use the sauna uh, once or twice a week and several other things. I definitely feel like, you know, they help tremendously. I use Berber Penella drops oftentimes if I feel like, for instance, yesterday I could just 
feel the fatigue coming on. And so I use the Berber Canela drops as a supplement and I put it in water and I can definitely feel everything kind of just easing up, you know, my symptoms and a little bit more energy after I take that. Stephanie, do you have any concerns about the long-term use of antibiotics and the impact that the antibiotics are having on your gut? I do and I don't. You know, I've had many people bring this up to me. (laughs) This is a hot topic in the Lyme world. People are very opinionated one way or the other about this, I've come to realize, um, which I kind of laugh about. But yes, I mean, in some ways I am, but I take precaution and I take massive amounts of probiotics every single day and make sure that my diet is really clean, no sugar. So um, I really, you know, try to keep my, my gut very happy. But at the same time, it's one of those things I just, people that are very concerned and express that concern to me, you know, they haven't walked in my shoes and they haven't experienced what I've experienced. And I can't expect them to fully understand But, you know, I put it this way, when you feel like you're dying and you're convinced that you're dying and somebody hands you a pill and it makes you feel so much better, why wouldn't you take it? You know, I had tried everything before. I had even tried the herbals and it was doing absolutely nothing for me until I started antibiotics. And immediately I noticed a huge difference. And uh, that's, you know, antibiotics are the reason why I'm sitting here talking to you right now. I'm not upstairs laying in bed in agonizing pain. So, you know, this is coming from a person who, you know, before I got sick, I was very all natural kind of granola. My husband jokes with me, I'm kind of hippie granola-ish, you know, I just, I like to do things all naturally if I can. And so, you know, I tried to treat this all naturally beforehand and I was getting nowhere. In fact, I was just getting worse and I was just miserable. So it's interesting. I actually visited a different naturopath just to get a second opinion. And I remember he said to me, I told him that I was on antibiotics and I just thought, oh goodness, he's going to give me the whole run around. Like, don't go on antibiotics. It's bad for you. But he did the opposite and he looked at me in the eyes and he said, if you were my patient, I would put you on antibiotics. He said, you don't mess around with Lyme disease. It's very serious. And so I really appreciated that and that, you know, he supported me in my decision. Um, I do couple my antibiotics with herbals. And I really hope that in the future, I can go off of antibiotics and be on herbals, you know, just to maintain. So it is my desire to eventually get off of them. So Stephanie, it, it sounds to me like you were feeling some judgments from some of the folks who you were interacting with in the Lyme community. How did you feel when others were judging the protocol you were using on your healing journey? Yeah, I definitely felt that. It's one of those things, I mean, with everything in life, and, and this also goes to being a pastor's wife, <laughs> not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone is going to agree with you and what you do and how you treat Um, You know, when I was treating all naturally, people were judging me for not, you know, going the antibiotic route. And now that I'm doing that, people, you know, wonder, well, why aren't you on the herbal route? That's better for you. And you kind of have to grow a backbone and just really be your own advocate, you know, for the decisions that you choose to do. And, you know, I know there's risks. There's risks both ways. I'm fully aware of that. But, you know, I stand confident in my decision and, Um, I just, I let those comments roll off my shoulder and I don't, 
I don't take them to heart. And part of that is because people are not walking in my shoes. And again, I can't expect them to understand what it's like um, living with Lyme disease. Um, it's, it's horrible. And, and, you know, a big way I would never want them to understand what it's like, you know, so I try to just overlook that, those comments and those judgments and love. So how are you today? Where, where do you think you are in regaining your health? I think I'm about 50 to 60%. Uh, and it really, you know, it depends on the day. You know, I think people often get the impression that I'm doing maybe better than I am because they see me out and about. But what they don't realize is that, you know, oftentimes I'm in bed. I have good days. I have bad days. Um, I just had a birthday a couple weeks ago. And I, I thank you. I ran for the first time in about two and a half years. And I was so excited. It was huge for me. Um, I had been kind of testing the waters. Um, I had just been walking gently on my treadmill and, you know, I just didn't feel like I could, my body could handle it before when I tried to test the waters. And um, ironically, I think this was God's gift to me on my birthday. I just felt like I had enough energy and it was a very short, like 30 second run, <laughs> you know, but that was huge for me. That was really huge. I wept and I cried and I just, I thanked God for that. To have that kind of energy to put one foot in front of the other and to propel yourself to be able to run was a gift and something that I really didn't know if I would ever be able to do again. Um, not that I really enjoy running, but just the fact that I could do that. So that was a great day. You know, on a bad day, like yesterday, um, I was just in a lot of pain. Um, part of that was I had a mold exposure and that really kind of stirs the hornet's nest. And I was in bed, you know, most of the evening. So, or, or sometimes I'm just so fatigued, I really can't get up and do much. I never know, but I think overall, I would say 50 to 60%. I'm well enough to function and to look normal and to go about doing normal human activities. So, <laughs> Stephanie, you, you've gone through an unbelievable transformation where you're now doing a, a great deal of outreach, both through social media and through uh, some educational processes you're going through. Can you share with our listeners first how this experience has changed you and how it's created in you a desire to make changes in our medical community and in the tick disease community specifically? Yeah, well, I just, I want to bring awareness to Lyme disease. When I became sick, I remember distinctly walking into the store and it was October and it was Breast Cancer Awareness Month and there were pink, cute little pink ribbons everywhere. And I just stood there and I looked at it and I thought, wow, I wish there were green ribbons right there talking about Lyme disease. And, you know, just to have that kind of support and awareness for something that is just so horrific. I just don't think people realize how miserable and life-altering Lyme disease is. I think if they did, they would absolutely have green ribbons probably all year round. So I do want to be a part of the change. I think we all do that go through this really horrible experience. Um, and just to see how we're treated um, or you know, not treated by the medical community um, and in some ways shunned. Um, so I want to be a part of the change. Um, at the same time, I don't want to tear down our medical community. I respect it a lot. It's, it's <laughs> taken me a long time to be able to say that. 
and to get to that place because I was very angry with it for so long. But, you know, doctors do care and they want the best for us. I think a lot of it is just a lack of knowledge. And I think that we um, as a Lyme community can bring knowledge and awareness to that and to do it in the right way without bashing doctors, without tearing people down, but just educating. So I really try to use my social media platform to bring awareness to that and not to try to be annoying and post constantly all the time. My, my page is sprinkled with a lot of, you know, my life and just my activities and foods that I'm eating and products that I, I think are great and safe um, and clean. But I also try to bring awareness to people through that of Lyme disease. And they seem to be very receptive of it. And I hope that it helps them. I hope that it helps to educate them too. Now, Stephanie, even before your Lyme journey, you had a connection to the medical community. You began to study in the medical community. You got sick. And now I understand you're back in the medical community. Yes, I'm really excited about that. So one of the things when I became really ill, I remember I just I was laying in bed and, and this really makes you take a step back and really examine your life and what you're doing with your life and what you want to do if your life continues. And for a while, to be completely honest, I I thought I was dying. I, I felt like I was dying and nobody knew it was wrong with me. And so I thought I was dying and I just thought this is it. And I remember thinking, if, I'm, if I don't die and I get through this, there's several things I want to do differently with my life. And one of them is that I wanted to go back to school to become a certified health and wellness coach to be able to help people. You know, I could see the flaws in the medical community. And um, they were just so obvious and just so blaringly obvious when I was going through all of this and seeing so many different doctors. And... I felt like health and wellness coaching could really bridge that gap between doctors and their patients. Um, and then just to have somebody that could support, you know, and encourage their patients. And I just remember thinking on my journey, I wish I had a health coach to really work through a lot of this with me, to educate me, to encourage me, you know, to be my, my personal cheerleader. So it really was my desire to go back to school. So I'm, in the, I'm going to school through the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy to be a certified health and wellness coach. And I graduate in February. I'm hoping to get on with a local practice in the area and work alongside a physician. Um, oftentimes you can work on your own. Now I may do that too. So we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But I really do have a deep desire to help other people and to just support them in their own unique health challenges just because it really does affect you not only physically, but emotionally. I think that's a huge piece that's missing in treatment and health and wellness coaching really does address all of that. If God forbid someone close to you called you and told you they had been bitten by a tick, what advice would you give to them so that they could avoid the horrible journey you had to go on and ultimately now come to the place where you are? I've actually had this happen to several people that I know, and I, I do wonder if the Lord caused me to go through this sometimes to bring education and help other people. You know, you wonder that, but I would tell them to go to a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath, you know, and, and to get tested. I would tell them to save the tick and to put it in a glass jar, and then I would also, if they know that they were bit, I would 
encourage them to go on antibiotics for, you know, five to six weeks just to be careful. I think that there's a window of opportunity there where if you know you've been bitten, then you should treat just to be on the safe side and, and then just couple that with uh, a lot of really good, strong probiotics too. Stephanie, how are you parenting your children differently? Are you teaching your children about tick checks and tick avoidance? And, and, and if you are, how are you doing that? Oh, absolutely. So my kids think I'm a little paranoid now <laughs> because of all of this. And I am, which I think we should all be to some extent. So yeah, we live next to a, a national park um, and we have deer in our yard almost daily in the evening and at nighttime. Um, and it's so beautiful, but all I see when I see that deer is a giant tick prancing around my front yard. <laughs> so yes, I definitely tell my children when they come in, I check their legs and their arms. I'll have my older kids shower. I encourage them to wear socks, high socks, if they're going to be, you know, in the woods or something like that. So, but we do do tick checks very regularly. And I also encourage them to use essential oils on their bodies too, because that really ticks hate that. So it really repels them. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Stephanie Smith. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Stephanie Smith and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at Holistic Heartbeats. B-E-E-T-S. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp Podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of this post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick Bite Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your past comments on our podcast. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.